Our sermon text uh, this evening comes from Psalms chapter 1, so please turn there and join with me. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of God. Please join me in a prayer for illumination this evening. Loving God, for the salvation of all you gave, Jesus Christ, as a light to a world in darkness, illumine us from your word with the light of Christ, that by the merits of his passion we may be led to eternal life, through the same Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. This evening we're going to be taking a look at Psalm 1 in its entirety, verses uh, one through six. Through my years, uh, almost 16 years of, of full-time ministry now, the book of Psalms is, is one that I've often found myself coming back to uh, the most in Scripture. Over and over and over again, uh, it reminds me that I am normal. Right? My wife, uh, almost every week, says, you're not Superman. You can't do everything. Um, and sometimes I try. Uh, it turns out I'm human. Um, I am merely human, and I can't always accomplish everything that I set out to do each week. Right? When I'm tired and when I'm exhausted and after a long week of not meeting all the goals that I set for myself, I, I can find solace in Psalm 73. It says, My mind and my body may grow weak, but God is my strength. He is all that I ever need. Right? The psalm says that God is sufficient. My strength is not And when I'm frustrated, uh, maybe I'm frustrated at a fellow brother for not listening to me, right? You can turn to Psalm 55. If it were an enemy making fun of me, I could endure it. But it is you, my close friend and colleague, right? I'm reminded to call upon the Lord and place my faith in him who saves. When I feel as though I'm I'm struggling through life alone and those around me just, just don't really care or maybe they're too busy to notice, Psalm 22 reads, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've cried desperately for help, but still it does not come. Life is full of seasons, and some of them call for great joy. And we can find this in the Psalms too. Psalm 126, our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. For the Lord has done great things, and we are glad. Happy or sad, frustrated or uh, glad, lost or steady, no matter what your state is there is a psalm that can speak for you when you may not have any more words to say. Before we open the doorway to uh, the music of the Bible this evening, it would be wise to note that this might not be exactly the call to worship, the call to uh, the psalmity that you might be expecting. Right, This psalm is marked with certain warnings and significant blessings. There's a different mood about Psalm 1. For starters, it begins by proclaiming, blessed is the man. 
Blessed is he indeed because the translation for this word is, is synonymous with happiness. Right? This original word indicates uh, that a blessed individual is one who will receive happiness in their fortunate circumstances. So much so that some Bible uh, translations for Psalm 1 read, How very happy is the man who... Right? The psalmist here is proclaiming wisdom. He knows something about a happy man. And so let's glean some of that wisdom, wisdom today. And, and, and ladies, just for you, this is not just about a happy man. Right? For the record, this passage is for you as well. It's a very uh, neutral use of, of man here in, in Psalm 1, and, and that can mean a, a man, a woman, or a child. Uh, so today, uh, I'm going to be reiterate, reiterating the word man as it's found in Scripture, but please rest assured, this passage is for you as well. How very happy is the man, the psalmist begins. Happiness is a really interesting phenomenon especially one that we seem to care a lot about during this, this holiday season that we've just come out of, Christmas, uh, the New Year's. It's, it's, a lot of this is about happiness, right? It's, it's one that we really focus on in this month of December as we head into the new year uh, here in January as well. Scottish preacher Alastair Begg had something to say about this phenomenon, and he concluded that it seems that our culture knows quite a bit about happiness, yet possesses so very little of it. Can you resonate with that statement? Our culture cares so much about happiness, yet we seem to possess so little of it. Do you constantly strive for, for happiness in, in your relationships, right? Do you, do you strive for happiness in your career? Or maybe even happiness just in your downtime on, on, a, on a Saturday afternoon, right? Perhaps as you uh, focus on this new year and the, and the year that has just closed out, um, are you happy? Were you happy last year? Are you going to be happy? What is going to make you happy this year? What is, what is this happiness? Right? How do we find this happiness? Psalm 1 has some wisdom for us this evening. <clears throat> Did you know that it's statistically proven that countries and states that are on the happiest places to live and go uh, list tend to have the highest depression rates as well? Right? My, my wife and I spent uh, several years ministering in, in Breckenridge, Colorado. It's a small town of about 5,000 residents that, that blows up to 50,000 people during the height of ski season. It's a small mountain town that's uh, just well known for its absolute natural beauty. Right? It's where some of us go to, expect, uh, to escape the Texas heat. Right? The locals there have a really funny term for the third week in March. Right, March is spring break, and, and they call the third week in March Texas week. They call it Texas week because that week, families and fraternities and bachelorette parties and, and, and youth groups who are going on ski trips descend upon this little mountain community, and they fill it with life. Right? The, uh, the Texans are known for loud, obnoxious hey y'alls down the street, and, and as they're slipping and sliding in ski boots all across the ice-covered sidewalks, it makes a giant, loud mess, but it's fun. Texans are loud, known as the loudest and, and probably the most obnoxious of all the tourists, which uh, it's okay. Um, but the truth is, people from all over the world go to this place to experience happiness. Not just Texans, but people from all over the world go to the mountains to find happiness, this little slice of heaven. It's a happy place, and, and who wouldn't want to live there after all? Right, but the town of Breckenridge is on the southeastern corner uh, of this region in the United States that's been coined as the Suicide Belt. 
This belt is made up of small mountain towns and small, small communities um, in, in these western towns in Colorado and Montana and Wyoming and Utah. And this region has depression rates that are three to four times the national average. People flock to these beautiful places to seek solace, to seek adventure, to seek entertainment, to seek happiness. But many who live there struggle to find it. It seems that our culture knows quite a bit about happiness, yet we possess so very little of it. In light of that knowledge, let's open up our Bibles and see what the Lord has to say this evening. Our scripture is kind of short, and I'd like to read through all six verses uh, one more time to, to get a picture of this happiness, of this blessedness. Psalm 1 reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This evening, we are going to glean four biblical truths off, uh, on the subject of happiness. First, we are going to find out that happiness is serious business. It is no trivial matter. Second, we will observe that happiness is biblical business. It is founded, it is rooted in the word and the law of God. Third, we will discover that happiness is a fruitful business. It's a business that's marked by a great harvest. And, and finally, we'll come to the realization that happiness is an eternal business. It's a life or death scenario, and, and there's no middle ground. Happiness is serious business. It's a biblical business, a fruitful business, and it is an eternal business. First, let us look at, uh, discover that happiness is a serious business. Blessed is the man who, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats, sits in the seat of scoffers. As we noted, blessed can be translated as how very happy, right? So how very happy is the man? This word, uh, blessed, also encompasses, uh, encompasses more than just happiness. For true happiness is to enjoy God's special favor and God's grace. This is a wonderful way to, to kick off the Psalter because in some sense, all of the Psalms will involve a portrayal of what it means to be happy. What follows next in verse 1 is a three-part progressive warning for the believer. It proposes that one uh, should steer clear of the slippery slope that ensues. So we're going to look at this three-part progressive warning. Stage one of the slippery slope reminds us to not walk in the counsel of the wicked. It is a clear and concise warning that you are who you hang out with. Right? Do not take this as, as an argument for, for building this Christian bubble. Right? There are some of us that are, are so afraid uh, of wicked counsel that they, that they completely remove themselves from society and, and shield themselves and shield their families from the world. Right? I, do, I do not find this thought substantiated throughout Scripture. Jesus tells his disciples to go out uh, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Judea, and to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are, we are to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have in Christ. 
Jesus commands us to go and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These commands would be extremely difficult to execute from an insular Christian bubble. So in order to be of the, in the world and not of it, Proverbs tells us, Be friends with those who are wise, for if you choose fools to be your friends, you will surely have trouble. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. Stage two of this slippery slope is to not stand in the way of sinners. This phrase doesn't really translate well into, into modern English, right? Because to, to stand in the way of someone makes me recall of, of that quintessential medieval knight movie, right? You've got this big knight in shining armor who stands in front of a castle and says, halt, right? Who goes there, right? Stop, right? We're not supposed to stop the sinner from entering the castle. Instead, the psalmist is warning us not to stand in the shoes of a sinner. We're warned that if we spend too much time with the wicked, then the natural progression is then to stand in these shoes. The natural progression is, is to stand in these shoes and, and to become those who we are hanging out with. Too much time with sinners, and we'll begin to not only hear their wicked wisdom, but we'll begin to walk like them, and we'll begin to talk like them. The third and perhaps most egregious stage of this slippery slope comes next. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands, uh, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Listening leads to action, which then leads to a state of being. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. A scoffer is someone who jeers or mocks or treats somebody with contempt. A scoffer is completely unwilling to accept instruction, right? A scoffer is, is completely self-sufficient and autonomous. He cannot realize, right? He cannot recognize any authority because a scoffer is the ultimate authority. This is a serious problem, and we're going we're gonna to find out why in verse 2. So our first point concludes, happiness is a serious business. Psalm 1 declares that there are only two paths in life, blessed or cursed, life or death. These two outcomes are, are quite black and white. There's really no gray outcome for mankind that resides in our scripture this evening. Happiness is a serious business. So I ask you, are you happy? Our second truth about happiness this evening is <clears throat> happiness is a biblical business. Right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. This statement is in direct contrast to what a scoffer is. Right? A scoffer needs no instruction, but we find that a happy man's delight is in the law of the Lord. A happy man finds pleasure in God's revealed word, in his holy scriptures. A happy man is open to instructions found in the word of God. In his autobiography, Charles Spurgeon writes this, Oh, that you and I might get into the very heart of the word of God and, and get that word into ourselves. 
As I have seen the silkworm eat into the leaf and consume it, so we ought to do with the word of the Lord. Not crawl over its surface, but eat right into it till we have taken it into our most inner parts. It is merely idle to let the eye glance over the word, but it is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until at last you come to talk in scriptural language and your style is styled upon scriptural models. And what is better yet still, that your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord. Blessed is he who delights in the law of the Lord and on his law meditates day and night. It's important to note that, that this is not a, a, a math equation, right? It's not a, it's not a list of, of do X, Y, and Z to, to achieve any given results, right? There's no command, no direct command to obey in this verse, but it does say that a happy man's delight, his pleasure is to step into the word of God, to wrestle with it, right? It's this act of, of exercising, it's not, it's not rocket science, but it's not magical either. And so this action entails picking this thing up, picking up the word of God, opening its pages, and reading it, which we have the blessing and the honor to do these days. We are to meditate on Scripture. We are to ponder on Scripture. We are to mourn over it. We are to study it. We are to speak Scripture. Right? There's, and there's no secret formula that, that works for everyone. Right? For some, that may mean you know, just picking up your Bible, and, and, and maybe you read a psalm a day for 30 days. It's the new year. It's a time for resolutions, and it's a great time to start a new practice. And if you read a psalm a day for 30 days, you've already read one today. You're done for today. But perhaps for others, maybe, maybe it's taking a step further, and it's picking up a good t- commentary. Right, talking to Pastor Wheat or, or, or another brother here at church and, and saying, hey, do you have any good books or any good commentaries that I could read uh, on top of the scripture that I'm already digging into? For others, maybe it's finding that time on, on Saturday morning to, to join the men or to join the women in a weekly Bible study or, or to pull in your neighbor and, and just study and go through the word of God together, one chapter at a time. Unlike the scoffer, a blessed person is open to instruction, right? Church, this, this knowledge will lead to confidence, and that confidence will lead to your strength. Happiness is a biblical business. So I ask you again, are you happy? This evening, we've learned that happiness is a serious business. We've learned that happiness is a biblical business, and, and now we're going to unwrap our third point, that happiness is fruitful business. Look with me at at verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. This is the most profitable and perhaps the most critical verse for us this evening. Happy is the man who is planted by streams of water. This verse reminds us of nourishment, Right? The, kind of, the kind of nourishment that can only be found in the Word of God. Right? Nourishment that fulfills, nourishment that heals, nourishment that feeds us, and nourishment that can encourage us. For the last three years before this summer, you know, uh, immediately following uh, moving here from, from Colorado, my family and I lived and uh, ministered in Kerrville out west, just four hours west of here. 
And the Guadalupe River, you know, I know a lot of you here have been to Mo Ranch or maybe a summer camp around there, but the Guadalupe River runs right through town, right? It's, it's beautiful. And the, on the banks of this river, you're going to find summer camp after summer camp after summer camp lined up on this river's pristine banks, right? And my wife and I spent 15 years ministering in Colorado in, in, in the mountains, and we always said, all right, God, if you really want us to leave the mountains and move back to Texas, please take us to the hills, Right? And that was just this weird little prayer that we had had for, for, for a while. And, and man, God is good, right? It doesn't always work out that way, but, but for that season in our lives, God said yes. And um, as many here today, I have this tendency to go, go, and go until my body says no more. So having access to the great outdoors, having access to this river so close to home is just a great reminder for me. It was an excellent reminder to say, hey, stop and recharge, I find that one of the best ways to recharge my own personal batteries and, and seek nourishment is in God's creation. There's just something calming and restful about a good tree next to a stream of water. Right? For me, I really like to fish. And so you can fish under that tree, right? You can cast your cares one fling at a time, just, just sitting there all day long, nothing on my mind, absolutely nothing. It's blank, but I'm casting my rod and it's amazing. My wife says that, that trees uh, by a river are great for a hammock and a good book, right? You can get lost for hours resting there under that tree, nourishment. My son Caleb might say, trees are good for climbing, right? Trees are good for climbing. There's nothing more enjoyable on a hot Texas summer day than climbing a tree and doing a cannonball into the river, right? That is nourishment. That is nourishment that an introvert likes, like me in the people business uh, needs, Nourishment is good for all of us, and it is essential for good health. When properly nourished, a tree will yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Likewise, a Christian, centered in the word of God, will bear fruit and will remain. Moses, who recorded God's word to the Israelites in the Old Testament, reminded them to, to keep every command I'm giving you today so that you might have strength to cross into and possess the land that you are to inherit and that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. This passage fits so well with Psalm 1, right? The word of God nourishing and encouraging his people. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This well-nourished, healthy tree is valuable. In all that he does, he prospers. This is not to be interpreted as a, uh, a blanket guarantee of financial or business success. This is not a prosperity gospel of, hey, sit under a tree by the water, have your pockets filled. Right? That interpretation would be in direct opposition to the greater scriptural narrative. We're told not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. But instead, what is proposed, what is promised, is a life of usefulness. A great tree with proper nourishment will bear fruit and it will last. This tree is, is useful as it, as it provides a harvest year in and year out, and it is profitable for man. It is profitable for the church. A happy person, rooted in the word of God, is ready to be used by the Holy Spirit 
and love those around them well. This love is, is seen in acts of kindness and in moments of patience and in words of comfort. The Holy Spirit is, is able to use this overwhelming joy and, and stir up questions and convictions in the joy and joy in the hearts of others. A happy man who is rooted in the Word of God is a useful tool for the building up of the church. Happiness is a fruitful business. So I ask you again, are you happy? As far as, so far we've uncovered three truths in regards to happiness. We've, we've learned that happiness is a serious business. It is a biblical business, and happiness is a fruitful business. And finally, we will uncover that happiness is an eternal business. Look with me at verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. This passage, it, it takes another turn. Right? We began this psalm looking at a, a blessed man, a, a happy man, and we found what he was not. Right, He was not in constant association with sinners. Then we pivoted to what a happy man is. A happy man is rooted in God's wonderful word. Now we have uh, this knowledge that differentiates right, between a, a blessed man from a cursed man, and we can discover what happiness is indeed. Happiness is an eternal business. In stark contrast to a, the rooted, right, the wicked is like chaff that the wind blows away. Chaff is, chaff is a funny word that doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't have much meaning in our, in our modern Western world, right? Especially a guy like me who grew up here in the city uh, and spent most of his adult life wandering around in the mountains. Um, um, chaff is not something I came into contact with much or knew much about, right? But, but not long ago, a pitchfork was used, right? A pitchfork was used to lift up the harvested wheat into the air, Right? And the edible grains would fall to the threshing floor where they would be collected and used for food, while the chaff, the useless bits of that wheat, would just be blown away in the wind. Right? The useful fruit, the grain, would fall to the threshing floor, and the useless chaff would be blown away. In verse 3 and 4, we have this great contrast between a useful tree and useless leftovers. There is nothing rooted, nothing worthy, nothing useful for chaff. John the Baptist tells a group of Pharisees in Matthew chapter 3 that the useless chaff would be burnt up in an unquenchable fire. This blown away and scorched fate of this useless chaff is not appealing, nor is a destiny that anyone would want to strive for. You question my judgment on this. Let's continue on in, in Psalm 1, verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Here the con- contrast begins, uh, continues to darken, right? There are only two paths, the blessed and the wicked. And you have the life and you have death. There is also an interesting uh, completeness in this first psalm that, that we completely uh, miss out on, right, in our English translation, right? Verse 1 of this passage starts off with blessed. 
In the original text, that word begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And in verse 6, the last word is perish, which begins with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So let us not forget that this genre of scripture is poetry, and we can find significance in these literary devices. And so here in Psalm 1, we we are given the beginning and the end. Right in Hebrew, we have the Aleph and the Tau, and we have uh, the Alpha, the Omega, the A and the Z. There is a completeness, a poetic finality to the judgment of the wicked, for they will surely perish. Church, this, this inevitable outcome is real. A wiser theologian than I uh, once asserted that here we find the condemnation of the ungodly lifestyle is a straightforward and sung with full assurance. A self-centered, autonomous scoffer who sees no need for instruction is doomed. There are two paths laid out at the beginning of the Psalms. Happiness, blessed, and death. Happiness is an eternal business. Are you happy? These six verses in in Psalm 1 are the foundation that the uh, remaining 149 psalms are built upon, right? Psalm 1 may not be that call to praise that you were expecting this morning. Uh, However, it does contain wisdom. It has foundational truths in which we can have hope. Because this is not the end. Because as we read in in Matthew chapter 1 this evening earlier, uh, there is good news. There is a hope outside of us that we can rest upon, right? And there is a tree, one tree planted by streams of water and its, and its fruit, um, and it will yield much fruit in its season, in its season and its leaf will never, never wither. In all that he does, Christ will prosper. You and I will will mess up and we're going to miss that mark of perfection that that God has set before us. But this psalm points to one who is greater. It points to one who is complete. Christ is that tree under which we can find rest and hope. For God sent his son, Jesus Christ, perfectly blameless into this world and he was mocked by scoffers. He was hung on a cross and he died. And then he defeated death so that in him, you and I might have life. And that life can be to the fullest, and it is finished. Our hope, our hope must not, our hope cannot be found within ourselves. It is by faith through his grace that we are saved. And that is good news that brings overwhelming joy. It brings a happiness that sustains us. A blessed man is a happy man. Happiness is a serious business. It's no trivial matter. Happiness is biblical business. It is rooted and founded in the word and the law of the Lord. Happiness is a fruitful business. It is marked by a great harvest. And finally, happiness is an eternal business. It's a life or death scenario, and there is no middle ground. And so that begs the question one more time. Are you happy? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word this evening. 
Lord, just thank you for this time that we have uh, to gather together and, and hear from you. Lord, you are that tree that we can rest under. And I just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent as a propitiation for our sins. God, you are good, you are holy, and you are just, and it is in you that we trust. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.